one of my professors, a philosophy professor I had, and I might need to check in with him to see what he thinks, especially <laughs> if we end up going into World War III. Um, but if um, he always said that, I mean, this is about 20 years ago, so just to give a time reference, that he never thought that America's downfall would be from another country conquering us, a um, a la Red Dawn or um, yeah. Man in the High Tower kind of thinking. It wasn't that somebody would conquer the U.S. Um, that way, but the way that the U.S. would get conquered is um, economic downfall. Um, and so I can see... So my bias, I guess, because I don't have Red Dawn type fears um, that, that that's how U.S. is going to get conquered. Um, um, the, this this gentleman was very influential in my thinking. So I'm, when I'm hearing some of this Bitcoin stuff, I'm hearing some of this crypto, and based on some of the conversation we've had, it makes a lot more sense of how the U.S. might get itself put in a precarious situation with um, how we handle or don't handle cryptocurrency uh, much more than um, um, the worried about some kind of, you know, country coming onto our land and trying to take over and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of like one of the biggest funders of U.S. environmental groups is Russia. And that's because they compete in the energy and mineral market with us. So it's, you know, you look at a foreign influence. Um, it's uh china for years has been doing it with buying media uh movie m movies and stuff like that right and, <clears throat> so if you're kind of a country participating in this and funding it you have the ability to uh, kind of influence some of these things like there's a china expert i talked to a long time ago that said that china's long-term thought was that uh, you know, like you said, America would destroy itself and, um, you know, utilizing stuff like social media to create division in the United States is a, a good way to do that. Right. So it's, I mean, it kind of, or flooding drugs into the country. Um, there, there's been a lot of, uh, well, let's just say that China hasn't been like a lot of fentanyl comes from China and they haven't been super um, stringent on cracking down on a lot of the legal drug making in the country. And it's, you know, we just have it, you know, it's, it's our fault, right? As Americans, because we're the ones utilizing the drugs, it's a free choice right. to, to use drugs and get hooked you know, well, maybe not a free choice to get hooked to it, but, but, um, I get, I get what you're saying though. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's, you know, us, us's downfall is not going to be from being invaded or like, like by physical force in, in my right. opinion, but you kind of make yourself susceptible to uh, being invaded in different ways. And I would, I would say Bitcoin isn't really, um, isn't, can't be comparable in that same manner, but uh, there's right. a lot of influential and special sphere of in influence factors going into 
whether it be U US policy or otherwise. Um, and also like our de declining birth rates, probably the biggest, biggest risk to the United States. Hmm. So. Yeah, and, I, and I, don't, I don't necessarily mean Bitcoin specifically. I, I look at it more as kind of like, this is, you know, this is the first, uh, the rumblings or whatever, um, you know, this is right before the Louisiana um, gets uh, bombed, you know, <laughs> um, it's uh, that kind of stuff where is this, it's not Putin going into Ukraine. It's um, some of this other stuff that that's going to be our downfall. Um, and I'm trying to also not do it in a, um, the world is ending kind of way because in my studies and um, theology and philosophy, there's been so many times that people have said the world is going to end and, huh. um, they've been the physical world was going to end <laughs> and it didn't, um, yeah. or at least if it did, then, uh, we're in some kind of warped reality right now. Uh, but at the same time, there are paradigm shifts and stuff and I can see, um, so if, if you're, if you'll indulge me a little bit to talk a little bit about, um, postmodern philosophy, is that okay? Sure. Okay. You're just like, I'll just edit it out later. It doesn't matter. Um, so postmodern philosophy for the most part is not the, um, it's not supposed to contradict modern philosophy, but it's supposed to be the end of modern philosophy. Like it's, um, the changes and everything it's taking modern philosophy to its highest extreme. Um, and because of that, it shows the cracks in the system of modern philosophy. And this is, I mean, that's how classical philosophy basically got broken down is it got pushed to its extremes and at its time when it was, it was postmodern to go into the next um, time period of philosophy and stuff. Um, but postmodernity is kind of just saying, Hey, we've, we're hitting the extremes. And now when a world is um, capital, when capital is the main kind of thing that drives everything that what can we do to no longer need to develop the systems, the frameworks of where capital has its value, like it traditionally has. And so that's where I'm starting to see like, wow, we're, we really are getting ready to hit a new version of what the world's going to be, at least in yeah. the financial sphere, because, um, because we, you know, a little bit, a little bit more than a hundred years ago, uh, we put in labor laws, uh, child labor laws, uh, saying that we're not going to have children working and we're not going to put them in oppressive situations. Um, and now any company, I'm assuming this is true in the energy, uh, finance. Well, I know it's true in the finance sector. Huh. <laughs> um, no one's ever going to tell you, you have to work 80 hours. Um, it's completely voluntary. Yeah. <laughs> they're not paying you comp time. They're not paying you overtime, but if you're not working the 80 hours or whatever the amount of hours are, then you're probably not going to last very long at the company, um, to keep up with, um, you know, the, the Joneses and whatnot. So I'm just kind of wrapping our minds around that. The fact that we, we feel like we don't more so than ever, we don't have to treat our customer well to keep taking their money. We don't have to, um, we don't have to follow some of the same rules that we did in the past to keep on exploiting the money. And, um, based on some of the stuff I'm hearing with crypto as a whole, it's like basically the one thing that's holding it is that there's a faith in a specific society to be able to stand still. And 
because of all the things that are going on right now and the culmination of all the things that have happened over the past 150 years specifically, I mean, does it not feel like we're on the edge of the precip uh, precipice of that something new is going to happen one way or another? I mean, yeah, th yeah. that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm feeling, and and that's the postmodern philosophy in a nutshell for what we're talking about. Well, it's kind of like adapt or die, right? And right. there's so like the Catholic Church, for instance, J.P. Morgan, uh, Goldman Sachs, like those institutions live through everything because they adapt. Right. And for every one of them, there's hundreds or thousands of things that haven't made it. Right. I, I personally feel that um, a lot of the institutions that were built in the 20th century mm -hmm. are really getting stretched to a point like social security is for one. Right. Um, you know, like, is Social Security going to be around when we retire? Probably not. There's probably going to be something different, or there's going to have to be a giant recapitalization of it. So it's just kind of like, uh, you know, and with like a, the declining population too, like countries grow because there's more younger people paying into a system than there is older people mm -hmm. and when that flips on its head something has to change otherwise it breaks right so it's just kind of a really it's it's a big time of change and i feel like you know you look out 15 20 years um, from now there's going to be a, a huge shift in how we do things how our institutions work right and, and i think i think the shift is gonna like it's it's gonna seem all of a sudden yeah but there's rumblings of that shift now and that's one reason uh, honestly that's one of the reasons why i want to do this kind of stuff with you um, for this podcast and stuff because um i've not necessarily done it on the f financial side or looking at it through those lenses but when i worked in the church world we were always worried, like, how do you adjust to the um, the next generation or the next the the common thought and stuff? How Changing do you reach times. people? Yeah. yeah, how do you continue to adapt and stuff? Um, but it, it's, I mean, it's scary in one sense, and maybe in a good sense. It's a good scary, you know. Like, um, I remember solidly when I first had a checking account. I had one ever since I was young. My parents got that for me, and that was such a big deal. Um, of having a checking account and using my SCS card. And every time I used it, it took, you know, a dollar um, from my account because I used my SCS card. And, but that was the cool thing is I could get my money um, <laughs> from a machine. And so if I didn't have to carry it in my wallet all the time. Um, and then a few years later, um, the fact that you could have a personal debit card um, that did not charge you money for most transactions. I mean, there'd still be a couple places and Seven Eleven was unique as being like the only place you could withdraw money huh. without a fee. Um, and how that was, that was becoming such a big deal that Seven Eleven did that. But the fact that we'd had our own personal debit card, um, and no longer were relying on checks, no longer, I mean, I mean, this has literally happened in my lifetime of yeah. what the changes that can come. I mean, I remember, and if my mom ever hears this, she'll probably remember this too. 
but um, we were desperate for cash for whatever reason. Um, and we lived in Bethany at the time, and there was the uh, one of the banks, they had an SES machine that you could access after hours. And that, again, that was a huge deal in the mid 80s of a, of a bank having you having access to your money after 5 p.m. or oh, on the weekends. Yeah. I mean, people don't I don't think people remember some of that or realize how drastic it was. And if you put your card in three times and it declined, it basically ate your card. Like you, you had to go to the bank to get a new card and it was a huge process that would take months. Um, and so I remember her being desperate, typing in the pin number or whatever to try to get out like however much money we needed at the time and she did it twice <laughs> and it declined and there was this kind of like do i or don't i put it in a third time because i know yeah. we have the money <laughs> <laughs> um and then i think and honestly i don't remember i don't remember if we just went and got my dad and then used his card or if we tried one more time and it just happened to work but um but that was the reality. I mean, that was, that is reality. And that was considered fancy back in the eighties. And now we literally, like when I say we, I mean like most individuals that have any kind of job, you don't get a check that you go deposit anymore. It's automatically electronically transferred, which was considered such a cool new thing back in 2000. When my, mm -hmm. I remember my first job, that's like, well, we can do an electronic deposit. And I'm like, cool <laughs> um, i mean the fact that you had a bank account i mean that was something that not everybody had a bank account um i mean i guess people still don't and that's i don't know how all that works because i'm i'm a privileged person now but we trade on amazon you know we trade on yeah. all these little companies netflix and stuff and we don't even think about um think about how difficult it would have been well, maybe not 10 years ago, but definitely 20 years ago or 30 years ago to do this. And that has, that's changed dramatically. So yeah, as you said, you know, in the next 15 years, I mean, um, we, well, heck, even the past five years, really, I'd say past five years, we've had smart watches, um, doing a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys that I'm doing everything possible to not get a smart watch because I'm afraid of what kind of person I'm going to be. But by then we're going to have some other kind of thing that's even simpler than the smartwatch that will do all the stuff. I mean, I know it's already there, but I mean, it's going to be common, like regular people that you just go to work with, um, or you, you know, I would say go to the movie theater, but our movie theater is going to be around in 15 years. You know, it's uh, just any kind of public place. You're going to see people with something in. and they tried it with like the Google glass and everything. And it didn't work quite at that time. But at the same time, I knew someone that had Google glass and it was, cons and he loved it. Um, he didn't think that it was nearly as bad as all the bad reviews that came from it. That's so pretty cool I, idea. I think that that's going to, that something like that's going to come back, um, and even be better than before. Um, and, and in a different way, I remember, <laughs> In 2006 is when I officially graduated college. I took the the 10-year plan, <laughs> and uh, my wife had already been graduated for a couple of years, um, and she's three years younger than me. Just so that way to completely rub in how how much smarter and brilliant she huh. is. Um, <laughs> where we went to the movie theater to go watch um, X Men Three, the um, the one with Juggernaut. Um, <laughs> And while we were waiting in line, um, we had a, a, a special flip phone. I, I want to say it was Samsung. 
and the video screen was so small it was like an inch by an inch and we it was a special gift my parents gave us of that our cell phones could have video at all and we'd watch these little things like from john stewart or espn or something like that and it was considered such great technology uh, in 2006 so almost exactly 15 years ago actually almost exactly 16 years ago to the day like we were watching movies in march of 2006 and now if we pulled out a phone like that you would just look at somebody weird but then you would be like be like hey do you have snake on your phone (laughs) we can download it now um (laughs) and, and you can pay for more in the app store so i mean 15 years that was just 15 years ago i mean just a little bit more than 15 years ago so in 15 years from now just thinking about how all the other technology but then specifically in the financial sphere i'm kind of worried that i'm going to get left behind you know if i don't keep up with some of this stuff and i know that's a lot of stories and everything but I, all those things were gradual they didn't just happen like that um but people um you know you take the shawshank redemption kind of mentality where red goes in there and when he comes out the whole world's different um if someone was gone for the past 20 years it's crazy i mean um and what changes in the next 20 years you know 15 years um five years heck one year i mean remember where we were two years ago um about today we were all quarantining and being scared to death um um in fact, I, I, there's a video series. I might have to give you the link. And it's a lady who, she does it comedically where she checks back in on herself about every three to six months. Um, starts off in like January of 2020. And then she checks in like April 1st of 2020 to her January 2020 self. It's like, I'm not going to tell you anything about the future. And she's like, oh yeah, can you believe like Kobe died? And everybody's like, oh yeah, that was such a tragedy. And that World War Three almost got started in January of 2020. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I remember those. That, that, yeah, that was kind of crazy. And she's like, wait a minute, you remember those? You, you're making it sound like something worse has happened. You know, and then a couple months later, you have um, the George Floyd stuff. And that person, yeah. that version of her talks to the version from April. <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, I remember when quarantining, when that was the big scare. Um, and then comes back six months later. And it's like, yeah, we're going to have a vaccine. And then... Um, how people react to the vaccine yeah and this is within i mean if more time than any other in our lives especially but i would say even people our parents or grandparents age maybe the depression might be the exception where time kind of stood still for the past two years even though it didn't stand still at all like we were able, were able to see so much more of what has been going on because so many people weren't allowed to do their day-to-day task. They were forced to slow down. They were forced to see um, the world. And yet we're, we're almost, we're, we're, we're picking up spe- speed again. I mean, we still have some production companies that are behind. So our supply chain and stuff is kind of really wrecked. But um, I would say by this time next year, assuming something... <laughs> you know crossing my fingers that world war three doesn't happen that some of these other catastrophic type things don't happen but next year at this time we're going to be back in full force like we were in 2019 um and maybe even further on and it's going to be almost a blip of like oh yeah the pandemic yeah well there will yeah. be something else that will replace it oh yeah i mean there's always something but it's just the time won't stand still like it has over the past two years 
But I, I think it depends, you know, my views too, like what, what is time? Oh, don't um, even start that. Um, <laughs> we, next, we next go, time. <laughs> we could go on a huge philosophical discussion yeah, you, on this. You just thought we were talking about energy and money. We're also talking about time. <laughs> well, time, time, time like money is just a unit of value that someone came up with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about the categorical imperatives from Immanuel Kant. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, causation. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I think it's going to be some interesting couple of years.